Hello, and welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association featuring advice, interviews, and discussions on the most important topics impacting residents' lives and careers. In this episode, Anesthesia Fellow Sharag Shah, MD, and Laurel Rhodes' Alex Maslack share the things you should know before you take on student debt. This episode of Making the Rounds is one in a four-part series on student loans, student debt, and refinancing. As a disclaimer, every situation is unique and it's important to do your own research before making financial decisions. Here's Sharag and Alex. So what options do I have exactly in order to repay the loan? I've heard of the terms consolidation, student loan refinancing, income-driven repayment plan. How do you think about those three buckets? It's your career goals. If you anticipate working in a, a nonprofit or in a, a position where your income is going to fluctuate greatly, federal programs, income-driven repayment, um, those tend to be a good fit. Um, if you plan on paying this loan back, want to do so as economically as possible with as little interest as possible, refinancing tends to be the best fit. Um, you know, regarding forbearance, I, I think that should be the absolute last uh, outlet um, that people seek. And, and Does that hurt your credit score at all if you put your loans into forbearance for a year or a certain amount of time? You know, it doesn't hurt your credit score. It, it hurts you in the interest that's accruing. Um, you're making no progress towards forgiveness. You're not even making a dent in the accruing interest. There's no interest subsidy. So interest accrual uh, is the growing of the loan uh, via your interest rate. So um, if you had a 10% interest rate, hypothetically, uh, and you had a $100,000 loan, um, you multiply that 10% by the $100,000 uh, every year. Um, that's how much annual interest you're accruing. Uh, to find out how much you're paying each month, you just divide that number uh, by 12. Um, and the interest that's accruing is capitalized at the end of each year. So. You know, it's, it's still sort of staggering to me that people will utilize forbearance. So when you say it's capitalized, what do you mean exactly by that? So if you accrued that year, you're, you're paying nothing. Let's say you accrued $10,000 in interest. The end of that year of forbearance, the 10000 gets added to the principal balance of the loan. And then that next year, you're going to accrue even more interest because now the principal balance has grown. And that's how the loan really snowballs uh, in residency. You know, you're going to accrue more and more interest each year of training. Um, I look at it as the easy way out. You know, you just forget about your loans while you're in training and you, you deal with them thereafter. Certainly, you know, a number of financial consequences to doing that. You're, you're not set up for forgiveness. If you forbear for all of training, you basically can't pursue forgiveness because you're going to be earning... Uh, an amount as an attending such that you'll pay the loan off before you get to that 10 years if you if you haven't accrued you know three four years of progress um, as a resident um, you know nor have you locked in a lower interest rate if you chose to refinance during that time um, and and the you know in terms of a cash flow standpoint you're really only saving yourself you know a hundred a couple hundred dollars a month I mean the monthly payment if you were to refinance is a hundred dollars monthly payment if you utilize income driven repayment probably 300 um, a month so 
it's not as though you're saving yourself a ton in the short term to really cost yourself a lot longer term. Right. So definitely avoid forbearance. That's the key takeaway here. Yeah. So forbearance is an agreement with your lender um, that you're going to make no payments on the loan. The loan is still current. You're not you know, in jeopardy of going delinquent or defaulting, but you're making no payments. Um, Interest-wise, you are responsible for all of the interest which is accruing um, while you're in forbearance. And as I mentioned, uh, at the end of your forbearance term, which is 12 months, all of the interest which is accrued uh, gets capitalized, added to the loan balance, and then if you were to forbear again, um, you're going to accrue even more interest in subsequent years because you know it's a it's a larger principal balance now. So um, avoid at all possible. Um, I, I think it's something that should be really a, a last resort. If you need you know short-term payment relief, uh, you don't want to go through the whole income-driven repayment application. That's fine, um, but. You know, again, the reality is if you're using it because you're struggling to make payments, you can use one of these income-driven options, um, which will you know, yield a monthly payment that's in line with your income. It won't be uh, un unbearable, I'll say. Um, so deferment and forbearance are, are quite unique from a cash flow perspective. Um, both options um, have the borrower making no monthly payments on the loan. Um, deferment uh, is most common while you're in school. Um, when you're in school, your loans are what's in what's called in-school deferment. Um, and so that means they're still accruing interest um, and you're not making any payments on them. Um, however, you're not uh, responsible to pay um, any subsidized loan interest which accrues during that period of time. Um, conversely, forbearance, um, the interest is accruing and you're responsible for its entirety. Um, that's the main difference uh, between the two programs is the subsidized loan interest being charged to you in forbearance. Um, worth noting, it's, it's difficult to qualify for uh, deferment once you've graduated. That, that's a status that's most common for folks while you're in school. When you go on the Laurel Road calculator or any other uh, consolidating website for private loans, you often see something called a fixed rate versus a variable rate. Uh, what are the key differences? What do you kind of recommend uh, students or residents uh, pick or go towards? Yeah, um, so fixed rates, uh, it's going to stay the same rate the whole life of the loan. So the, the rate which you're offered, which you're given when you're taking out the loan, you know, let's say it's 5%, will be 5%, you know, the entirety of that loan's life. It'll never change. Variable rates um, are going to adjust, uh, you know, at some frequency. Uh, for Laurel Road loans, it's every quarter, um, and they're based on LIBOR. So as LIBOR, which is like a basic um, interest rate uh, tracker in the economy, as LIBOR goes up and down, so too will the interest rate on your loan, um, and so too will your monthly payment. So uh, in uh, variable interest rates inherently uh, carry a bit more risk, right? Uh, rates could skyrocket at some point, and uh, you'll wind up paying more interest, and your monthly payment will wind up being higher. Um, that's why we, we see about 9 out of 10 borrowers take fixed rate loans, um, especially if you have a really large balance loan that you weren't able to pay off quickly should rates you know rise dramatically. Um, fixed rates are going to be a, a lot safer option. Um, I think the folks who do take variable rates, and variable rates, um, so we're clear, are, are priced lower to begin with. So if you've got a 5% fixed offer, um, your variable rate offer might be 42 or something like that. So if rates didn't change, you know, for the life of the loan, you, you come out ahead. Um, people who do take variable rates tend to be those planning to pay it back 
uh, in a short period of time. That's that's where we see the most variable rate traffic. You know, I actually did refinance my loans, and I ended up going with a variable rate because it was half a percent lower. And my thought process was, I'll be in attending, or I am in attending now, and I can pay a, uh, pay it off a lot sooner and save that interest over the life of the loan. For me, a variable rate made a lot of sense because my thought process is I want to pay off my debt as soon as I can. Now, in many ways, that doesn't necessarily make sense financially. So I have a background in economics, and if I'm taking a loan at 3%, it's actually a very low interest rate, and there's no harm in accruing that debt. But to me, my student loans with the federal government were at 6.7 or 6.8% which I felt was uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, money that I was paying in interest every quarter, uh, every month. So at that point, I decided to refinance. And since the rate was so much lower for me, variable versus fixed, and I wanted to pay it off quicker, um, I chose the variable route. Of course, I also have a family. Um, I have a wife and a kid, and my wife is a resident, so we don't have two streams of income coming in. Uh, but even with that, the initial payments are only $100 a month until I reach um, an attending salary. And at that point, uh, the payments will jump up, but so will my salary. And it's kind of a nice um, forced mechanism to start paying off some of the debt that I personally accrued. Um, so that was more or less my thought process on how I went through refinancing my loans. Um, one thing a lot of my friends have worried about is, you know, I have $200,000 in loans. Am I going to be able to pay this off? As long as that's in the same shoes as a lot of um, a lot of my colleagues, it honestly isn't that big of a deal, which is a bold statement to make, but um, as a physician, even if you have $200,000 in loans, um, you should be able to pay them off uh, as you live within your means, and especially as you're attending, if you're making at least $150,000, or most of us um, will be making something a little bit higher than that, but in that ballpark, um, and if you, uh, if you take your $200,000 and split it over 10 years, it's only $20,000 a year. Of course, there's interest, there's capitalization, there's a bunch of other factors that go into it. But if you're making $150,000, $200,000 a year, um, your loans shouldn't really be the thing that scare you. Um, you're going to be completely fine. And that's kind of how I look at it. Um, Do you think your loans have uh, impacted other financial decisions you've made? So, in to be completely honest, no. Um, I ended up getting a doctor's loan, so I even took out more loans to buy my first house, uh, which is where we currently live. Um, there's, of course, good debt and bad debt. Uh, I don't have any credit card debt because the interest rates are a lot higher. Um, the debt I've accrued is mortgage debt, um, which is a appreciating interest in the form of a house, um, and obviously student loans, which is obviously a down payment on future, um, future earnings. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, what I've tried to avoid is buying a nice fancy new car or um, you know getting your first attending car or what have you so I'm still in my 2011 Mazda which runs just great it's a fine automobile it's a fine, exactly uh, but I do want to you know at some point um, you do want to see the fruits of your labor and you may want to go out and splurge on a Tesla or what have you but uh, I've held off on that just until I feel like I can pay off some of these loans but again my refinancing is at three percent and if you're getting anything at 3%, if you take into account the uh, inflation that occurs every year, let's call it 1.5%, 2%, 
you're essentially getting money at 1%, which is unheard of, um, pretty much in the history of finance. Uh, it's essentially free money. Free uh, cash. Free cash. So these uh, down payment on your future education or on a mortgage, everything is so low right now that I feel you can accumulate assets and try and pay off um, things when you do start getting your um, attending salary. Um, that's kind of personally just how I think about it. Um, and that's how I encourage my friends to think about it um, if they talk to me about needing any help with loans or anything like that. To, to that point, do you see many colleagues kind of going the other direction and, and maybe spending less frugally? Um, yes, uh, people do tend to do that. But again, I think it's um, living within your means is something that either you'll learn through a harder lesson or that you'll just kind of um, accept. Um, but I have definitely seen people make, you know, purchase a new car, for example. But I don't think there's anything wrong with treating yourself, uh, especially if your interest rates are this low. So like I mentioned, my goal was to do a variable rate and pay off my loans quicker. But that, again, at 3%, that doesn't entirely, that shouldn't be a stressor in my life. So if I extend it from my original plan five years to eight years or nine years, and if my interest rates remain low in the current, you know, in the current economy, the way things are, uh, there isn't a lot of LIBOR shift. Um, I'm not very worried about it. If they increase by quite a bit, I would try and pay it off quicker than my original plan. Um, and that's, I think, how to. I think that's the right approach for my family. It may be different for others, um, but debt shouldn't be something that scares you. Debt shouldn't be something that embarrasses you or uh, makes you nervous especially in the current economy, and if you refinance, 6.8%, 7%, that's a little bit scarier, but even then it's not as high as rates used to be, I'm sure, 10, 15 years ago. Um, And the other thing is, you know, I used to work in investment banking, so one thing we always learned or stress is that if you have extra money, you can put that in the market, and historical returns in the market uh, have been higher than 7%. Um, So there's different ways to use your money, and I think you have to realize that um, just getting rid of debt, if it's at a very low interest rate, doesn't have to be the number one priority. Um, you can prioritize your own interests. You can prioritize investments. You can prioritize for education for your kid um, and what else, whatever other needs you may have. That's great to hear. I mean, I, I think uh, many people aren't quite as pragmatic as, as you, but it's, um, it's refreshing to hear someone with, with that level of financial background um, say that you're not stressed about your loans. And, and you know, as I said at the beginning of, of the podcast, I was surprised when we did the survey how many people said they were uh, embarrassed about their loans. And, and um, you know, I think you take a really pragmatic look at them and you're not letting it impact other areas of your life, which, which you shouldn't. You know, you've, uh, you've made a, a sound financial decision going to get a, a medical degree. It's, it's going to pay off. Um, there's there's no use in stressing over it uh, in the meantime. Yeah. So I'll get a piece of advice from you then. If you had one piece of advice to give to anyone that's about to take a loan or refinance, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, so I, I guess if you're about to take a loan, um, you're in school, I, I would stress uh, that you should be aware of the long-term consequences of this. And, and not, not that those consequences should sway you from taking the loan, but don't be surprised, you know, five years later or four years later when you're being asked to repay it. I, I think this is probably less so in the medical profession, but 
uh, undergraduate borrowers, um, you know, other degree types. Taking loans is, is such a norm now, and, and people have no choice doing so. They just, you know, sign on the dotted line at the, the registrar's office and at your school and, you know, off, off to class. Uh, and th those are mostly federal loans, is that right now? Are there different rates among federal loans? Are there some Stafford or um, anything like that worth avoiding or worth trying to get? Uh, and how should students or residents even think about that aspect of the loan cycle? Yeah, so um, undergraduates, uh, by and large, take Stafford loans. Undergrad Stafford loans, lower rates. Uh, graduate school Stafford loans are higher rates. Um, those are taken typically for the first portion of tuition costs, and then the remaining gap, um, which can be sizable, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, depending on where you go to school, um, typically filled with uh, grad plus loans, um, which are also federal loans but come at an even higher rate. Um, I, I believe the grad plus rate currently is over seven percent, um, so it's it's a high rate loan for sure, um, but it's often the default option that a, a financial aid office would discuss with a, with a student. You know, financial aid offices by and large are, are very um, trained and used to talking about federal loans and, and taking federal loans, and, and there's a lot of merit to that. I mean, certainly they're more flexible as a student. You really don't know what you're going to be doing thereafter. Are you going to work at a nonprofit? Are you not? Um, you know, nothing wrong with taking the federal loans, um, even with the higher rates. Uh, Laurel Road, along with you know other lenders, um, also offers private in-school loans. So if you wanted to uh, take a private loan while you're in school, you're able to do so. It comes with a lower rate than the um, the Grad Plus offering, as well as no origination fee. So there are origination fees associated with federal loans. Um, you know, but you don't have the opportunity, uh, any opportunity, to get that loan forgiven in the future. So that's you know one consideration for people to keep in mind if if Loan forgiveness could possibly be on the roadmap in the future. You want to take as much federal debt as possible because that can all be forgiven. Um, but you know, I'm I'm sure there is a, you know a portion of the population that says, in year one of medical school, I know I'm never going to do loan forgiveness. I want to be you know an anesthesiologist and I want to work for a private group. I know this is my path. You know, let's just lock in as low interest rate as possible right now. That could be a great scenario for taking one of these in-school private loans. And it's funny you mentioned that because um, when I started residency, I thought for sure that I would go towards the public service loan forgiveness. So for my four-year residency in anesthesia, I was under pay-as-you-go. Mm -hmm. um, then when I got closer to accepting a job, and it turns out that um, I'm not going to be at a not-for-profit group and essentially private practice, it didn't make sense for me, uh, obviously, at that point. So I ended up refinancing during my fellowship, and I kind of wish that I had the foresight to do it earlier because I was paying a much higher interest rate. Yep. Uh, but of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. That was Dr. Shirag Shah and Alex Maslak discussing what you need to know before signing a loan. Be sure to tune in for the other episodes in this four-part series about student loans, student debt, and refinancing. For more information on how to manage student loans, visit www.ama-assn.org slash refinance loans.
You can also subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts on iTunes and Google Play or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.